promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Hello and welcome to the Tread Weary Podcast. This is the place where we gather to hear from the Word of God and to hear it in such a way that we're not looking for demands upon ourselves. We get we get enough of that, and, and those demands are easy to hear because they are the imperatives. They are the things that are telling us what we should do. And instead, our goal here uh, is to hear the Word of God and find what it is that God has done for us and the results that come from that. So thank you for joining us today as we continue our study through 1 Peter. Let us begin. Lord, open thou our lips, and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Make music to him with a ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song to him. Play skillfully on the strings with a joyful shout. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is trustworthy. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord, and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into a heap. He puts the depths into storehouses. Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came into being. He commanded, and it came into existence. The Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations. He thwarts the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen to be his own possession. The Lord looks down from heaven. He observes everyone. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He forms the heart of them all. He considers all their works. A king is not saved by a large army. A warrior will not be rescued by great strength. The horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power. But look, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him, those who depend on his faithful love, to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. For our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. May your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put our hope in you. Amen. Reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves, as living stones of spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, 
See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I could have kept reading there for a little bit longer. Crowley could have finished the, the section all the way to verse 10, but we're trying to take this in little tiny mouthfuls, right? Little tiny, tiny pieces. And so uh, chapter two builds on chapter one, of course. We, we get the therefore, right? <laughs> so what's the therefore? Where well, we're told uh, of this gospel, this truth, of, of listening to this truth that, that leads to our love for others because we realize that, for instance, as, as Peter quotes from, from uh, uh, Isaiah 40, that, that all flesh is like grass, uh, and the flower, uh, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word of the Lord is this gospel, this proclamation to you of what Christ has done, of who he is. And so therefore, because this has been proclaimed to you, rid yourselves of all malice or or all uh, uh, anger at one another, uh, spite towards one another, um, all deceit, this this uh, ridding ourselves of this notion of lying to one another, thinking thinking of it as the the sort of passive aggressiveness that we find in churches, quite honestly, because we we are afraid to be truthful with one another, because we're worried about what other people think. Because our identity, who we are, and um, who uh, we should be in Jesus gets completely tied to what other people say of us rather than what Christ says of us. It, to, to remove all deceit from us is to uh, tell the truth to one another, to, to, to bear that truth to one another. And that truth is, is found in Christ and what Christ has done, uh, but also it's a truth that does come sometimes with a price of, of speaking to one another about uh, sins, about failings. It, it's that, that, uh, that understanding that we get from the Gospel of Matthew. As far as if somebody sins against you, you go to them and you be honest with them. And if, if they won't listen to you, you bring someone else. And if they won't listen to the two of you, then you bring it to the church. Uh, this, this idea of being honest with one another, uh, where, uh, for instance, you, you tell someone, oh, you did such a great job, and then you turn around and you go, wow, that was really bad, kind of a thing, right? It, it, wanting to be honest and having truth be between us so that what that does then it, it, is it creates a trust within the body of Christ. And this trust is tied to the fact that whatever you may think of me as a pastor, or whatever I may think of you as my parishioner or, or a fellow brother or sister in Christ, a fellow believer, changes nothing in comparison to what Christ has done. And so uh, being, being freed to love one another in truth being freed to love on one another in an honest man manner rather than uh, turning love into some sort of, uh, of tiptoeing through the graveyard type of fake honesty. So getting rid of all deceit. Hypocrisy, right? This, this word gives us this, it's, it's, it's another picture of this, this passive aggressiveness that we often find in the church. Uh, that uh, hypocrisy was this idea of actors in a play wearing masks. And so you put on one mask because you don't want people to see the true you. 
And, and so uh, the church, for instance, is full of hypocrites, uh, not not in the sense of the fact that that's a bad thing, that's actually a good thing, because Christ came to, to die for the hypocrites. But the problem is, is that we will have no problem getting up in church and confessing, I am in bondage to sin and I cannot free myself. And yet we will go throughout our week and even for the, the fellowship hour after that service, spending our time uh, belittling either fellow believers, fellow churches, or those outside the church for their sins. As though what we have done uh, uh, is not as big of a deal as, oh, what they have done. <laughs> the, the hypocrisy being this, this, we put on a charade, we put on a play, and we pretend what Christ brings to us in Freedom Church is the reality to be able to say, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm the biggest one. And, and, and we can compare our sins with one another and be willing to say, no, 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 no. You think you're worse than me? No, step back, hold my beer kind of a situation. And there's some fear in that because when we're honest with one another, we are placing ourselves in a position of having to trust them. And when we, when we put ourselves in that place, there's uh, a bearing of, of wills in that way, an opening up of one's life, and there's a possibility of getting hurt. There is. There's this possibility of, yeah, well, I really uh, don't know if I want to go that direction because they might use whatever I tell them against me. They might gossip about me, which happens more often than not. But the freedom that Christ gives us is that even in that gossip, even in that destruction of, of a relationship in that way, Christ still stands as the one who forgives you of any sins that people try to use against you. Getting rid of all hypocrisy. Envy. Looking at another one and saying, I want that. It's, it's tied in with, with, with covetousness. Coveting that of what someone else has. Oh, I want that person's spiritual life. I want uh, that person's family. I want that person's background. I want that person's money. Uh, instead of uh, being thankful for what it is that God has given you. Because if, if we, we cannot be trusted to, to trust God and the things that he's given us and to say they're enough for us, then often the grace of God given to us as gift starts to pale in comparison to whatever it is that we think we need to do for him rather than resting in what it is that he has done for us. And then slander, right? Slander is those, those moments where we take gossip to a whole new level, where we want to use someone's sins against them to destroy their life. We see it happening all the time in social media. Our pastor, Chris, preached about it uh, a couple of Sundays ago, uh, about um, we're an unmerciful society, and we are. We are completely unmerciful. We do not understand mercy. We understand slander very easily, but we do not understand mercy. Slander is a merciless sin uh, that we, we look at someone else and we jump at the chance to destroy their life, whether it be true or not getting rid of those things because we have been freed of our own sins. We should definitely not use someone else's sins against them. And then it says, like newborn infants, I love this picture, like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up 
into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. There's so many pieces. There's, there's a sermon just in this one verse, but being like newborn infants, like right, like like Christ tells us that that you have to have faith like a child to enter the kingdom. Here it's it's craving that milk uh, to to grow like a like a newborn baby who is who is who is nursed by by their mother. Uh, they they put on the pounds rather quickly, right? I, I love those little chunky little baby rolls. Right? I, I I mess when my my kids were those little babies. You just squish them and oh, they're so cute, uh, right? Uh, craving that milk of the word, because we always think that oh we need something better, something more. But it's in that word that we discover that God is good, and we crave it because we want it, right? We crave it because we need it. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, that that word, that the goodness of the Lord is what helps us grow up in our salvation, to to become innocent as babes, to not hold anything against anyone else, but to know that we are dependent on one who feeds us from his word. Oh, to crave that church. Oh, oh. As you come to him, verse four, a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God a living stone I've, I've racked my brain trying to figure out what this means but this living stone a stone that's that has a beating heart uh, almost almost this 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 idea of the resurrection stone and Harry Potter I guess I don't know uh, but as you come to him a living stone a living foundation uh, a foundation that you stand on that gives you life that that he was rejected by the people because he didn't look the way that they wanted him to look, but he was chosen and honored by God, being being the one, the one precious to God. You yourselves as living stones, as these these stony hearts that have been given life, as as, uh, this continuation, these little Jesuses, these little Christs, because that's what Christian means. Uh, You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The idea of the priesthood of all believers, of who we are, is that we are given a task in the church as fellow believers, as priests, to pray for one another, to bring one another's burdens before God, to help help one another bring our sacrifices to God, which is ourselves, to die, to be put to death by Christ, that we may be raised to new life. And that is our work as priests in the kingdom. And we do it all through Jesus Christ. All of this work being done through Christ on our behalf, and it is your work and mine. It's not just for the pastor. It is for everyone. It's 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 this necessity, for instance, in the church, of the church to be ones that take care of themselves, not in the sense that they're left alone and the pastors do nothing, but in the sense that the the people of the church love one another, visit one another in the hospital, uh, uh, congratulate one another when a newborn baby comes into the world, or there's a job promotion, or someone wins a championship, or whatever, to rejoice with them, to carry the burdens, to weep with them, all those things, and to bring those things before God in prayer. And it doesn't take much just to be a priest for one another. It doesn't take some magical training 
It just means to pray and to love one another. Our being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. It stands as written. It's been written down, and you cannot erase it. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. The one who trusts in Christ, this cornerstone that gives life to the church, gives life to his people. That's where we're going with this, right? This this is what we've been emphasizing here, that it is in the work of Christ on our behalf that life is given to you. That, that it is that, that in trusting him, you can never be shamed. That, that people can slander you. They can envy you. They can, they can wear masks around you. And you can even try and hide from your sins yourself. But as long as you trust in Christ, the shame that you fear in doing those things will never harm you. That's the glory of Christ, church. That's the glory of the work of God for you. That's the glory of what it is that God is doing in you for his sake. To make you that spiritual house, that holy priesthood, to bring prayers and offerings to God through Jesus Christ. Let us pray. O God, whose never-failing providence orders all things both in heaven and earth, We humbly beseech you to put away from us all hurtful things and to give us those things which are profitable for us. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, church, again, thank you for joining us today. And and if you do have the chance, please share this with others. Uh, Pass on this podcast to others so we can increase our listenership. I think it's an important work that we're doing here to dig into the scriptures and hear from God what it is that he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you next time.